Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, one and all, and welcome to Behind the Glass, your weekly automotive podcast hosted by two rather uninformed enthusiasts. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> I'm Sam from the YouTube channel Seen Through Glass. I'm Tony from Gravelwood Car Sales. And you can watch us each week. We hope you enjoy the episode. Well, everyone, welcome to a pretty special location for this week's episode of Behind the Glass. I'm almost whispering because of the gravitas of where we are. (laughs) I do have to warn you, if you get fed up about how much we talk about Porsche, this is not the episode for you. It's not, no. Because we are currently in the inner sanctums of the Porsche Museum. This is a very, very, very special place that... Very, very few human beings get to come. So the fact that we're actually in here is like amazing in itself. Hallowed ground, I think we can say. Yeah. Um, Yes, well, welcome to Stuttgart. So uh, to bring you up to speed, Tony and I are on a road trip in our GT3s. Uh, We're heading down to the Red Bull Ring in Austria uh, to take part in one of the P0 experiences, which is essentially a fancy track day. Um, But we wanted to extend the trip slightly so that we could enjoy our cars. Mm -hmm. And the route literally brought us past Stuttgart. And I was like, well, come on, if we're in our (laughs) GT3s, we've got to bring them home and come and visit the factory. So I reached out to a few of my contacts, one of which is the legend that is Benny, who's appeared on the main channel a few times before. And said, look, t- I'm bringing Tony and he's never been to anything. I mean, you've never, you've never come to the factory. No. You have, have you ever even just driven past for fun? No. So you've literally, never. okay, yeah, so yeah. even better. So yeah, we, we decided to come and pay a visit. We had a bit of a tour, walk around the museum, which I'm sure we'll get into. Um, and then we've come here, which is one of the storage facilities for some of the cars which aren't currently on display or being used. Yeah. Because they've got like 700 cars in the museum collection and only 80 or so are ever on display at any one time in the museum itself. So yeah. over our shoulder down below us, we've got the, what did he call it? The spoiler section, which is kind of the GT department. Every yeah. iteration of GT3 and GT3 RS. In front of that, we've got some special versions. We've got the 1968 Carrera T, homage. We've got all the speedsters. We've got a club sport. I mean, there's just, we walked in here, both of us just going, Oh, wow. Yeah, literally. <laughs> like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. What do we do now? Yeah. Um, so it's been a really exciting morning. This is basically all being captured for a main channel video, which we're going out on Sunday. So part of our tour with Benny, some of our reactions, some of our experiences, and of course, some of our road trips. And I think that's where we need to kick things off. Mm. Let's talk about our road trip to date. Mm-hmm. So we left a couple of days ago. We did. Start off by jo- driving over to Cologne. Uh, yeah, day one was fairly chilled and fairly... A classic get-the-mileage-under-the-belt day. Yeah. Because it's often the way, I think, when you start these road trips... We did actually bump into that guy in uh, Frankfurt who was describing his trip, and he'd broken it up and stayed in, I think, Brussels on day one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we traditionally, I would say, like to get a lot of the mileage out of the way, don't we? We want to get into Europe. We want to get continental We want to try and get to the nice roads as quickly as possible, yeah. And to, to be fair, like, because we're fairly seasoned pro at this dri- <laughs> this driving lock. You said so. We can, <laughs> we can, it, it's okay for us to drive nine or ten hours and do four or five hundred miles at a time, you know? Fair. Yes, you're right. We are very used to an experience of doing many hours behind yeah, the wheel. It's yeah, not yeah, going to yeah. be to everyone's 
choosing or no, taste. No, no, no. But yeah, we, we like to, to get big mileage under our belt. So actually day one for us was quite a short one. It was only mm. six hours or so. Mm. But yeah, blasted across to Cologne first for a very specific reason, which we will come back to. It actually is not Porsche related. But is... No, you've done... Have you done a big motorway slog in your car before? Not because my current Your 992 GT3. No, no, no. Interesting. Not... not uh, the, the, the furthest I've been motorway is to Nürburgring. Oh, okay. So actually not dissimilar to what we did on day one. No. Because Nürburgring and Frankfurt, where we ended up, it's not a totally different distance. No, not, not, not too far, but that would be the, the biggest motorway drive. But obviously the way you go to Nürburgring, there's not many... Autobahns. No, to, to no, because you cross so, the border and then you're basically, I mean, you've got like 20 kilometres of autobahn and then you're there. Correct, yeah. yeah. So we had a lot of autobahn. We had a lot of autobahn. Which, How was that for you? The worst thing ever. <laughs> I, I, mate, I, I just, I, I can't deal with it. I just hate the car at 120, 130 mile an hour revving its nuts off sitting there for an hour. I mean, it's perfectly capable of doing it. No problem at all. But I want to listen to my music and I want it to be quiet. It's screaming at five, six thousand revs and I just I, I just want it to be quiet. The Autobahn in a GT3 is super <laughs> intense. Like, don't get me wrong, it can be intense in any car if you're trying to do higher speeds. And I'm not talking about like high speed runs, but if you yeah. are someone that wants to, because you can on the de-restricted sections, go at a pace that is 180 kilometers an hour, 200 kilometers yeah, an hour, yeah, yeah. within reason, as long as it's safe to do so. Yeah. But when you're in a GT3, that means even in sixth gear in my manual, I guess you're in seventh, seventh. gear. What, so uh, 180 kilometers an hour. So what's that, 100 miles an hour? Mm -hmm. What kind of RPM are you doing in seventh gear? No idea. A lot. But yeah, it's revving. I'm uh, at like 6,000 RPM. But yeah, we're or being, five. I mean, you'd like to think that the, the... I mean, the gearing is different because you've got a six-speed car and I've got a seven-speed car. Um, but obviously the the... the gearing in your car the ratios are a bit longer so the top speeds are basically the same right it's just that your gearing because you've got a six-speed car your gearing's a little bit longer through the gears so when we're in top top gear both of us me in seventh you in sixth the revs should be the same theoretically well they're loud <laughs> they're too loud <laughs> so, so you're in this car that is Track focus, so dialed in. Rattly old cage I've well, got. you shouldn't have had a cage. Bucket seat. Disaster. I mean, the you know, <laughs> sums up how awful the spec of your car is. But, yeah, and then you're like this engine that's going... Screaming, you know, using oil it is. And you're concentrating and it's... Yeah, it's, it's not that relaxing. Get me off this motorway. Yeah, I mean, I love my car and I love doing road trips in it, but I really don't enjoy driving on the motorway in it. No. Because you're right, you barely can't hear your music. No. It feels way more frenetic and frantic than it probably actually is. Mm. Um, if you were in, even your Pista, but you know, I've done this trip many times in an F-Type, in my 360, it's a very relaxing drive. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this is like, ah! Yeah, it's, it, it's why, in general, I say I like turbocharged cars, because when you have got to do a motorway run, yeah. they're quiet, you can shut yeah. them up. Yeah, I just think it's a highly strung thing, the GT3. So so day two of the trip, I'll drive from Frankfurt's hotel uh, down to Stuttgart. We, we'd set the route to no motorways. Yeah. Which oh, we, we, had a good, we had a good time, mate, in well, general. Bit well, of crap, but... Yeah, like... It was all right. I don't think Frankfurt to Stuttgart, even though it's a lovely Bavarian area, is supposed to be filled with the world's greatest driving Of roads. course not. Although we did see a lot of, like cars and bikes we saw so many bikes so many but we saw a lot of decent cars that were clearly out for a sunday morning drive mm. i think we definitely we didn't really necessarily stumble across the greatest drivers i got frustrated at one point because it felt like we were in a lot of traffic and going through a lot of towns and i was a bit yeah. like I'm, I'm kind of a bit fed up now yeah. but it was a nice day and the end of our day was spectacular I yeah that final yeah. drive was, yeah. was amazing but um yeah and then that brought us to stuttgart but let's just go back because yeah on the way to frankfurt we stopped off on in cologne mm-hmm should we talk through why we did that? What the well, what experience I, we had? I think we should because you've teased it. <laughs> I mean, you've got you've, to say something. You've set it up, so <laughs> yeah. off we go. Yeah. Well, I went to look at a Ferrari 575. Yeah. So, uh, shock and horror, now. potential 360 replacement. You know, <laughs> I, I've spoken a lot this year about umming and ahhing about the modern and what I should and shouldn't do. And I'm leaning more and more towards actually maybe 
maybe it is time to move on. But there's no Stradales on the market, and Stradales are at least £100,000 more than my car in value, at least, mm-hmm. probably for a left-hand drive car. Right-hand drive, you're probably looking at 150 grand more in value. So it's a significant step up. And I've just been just browsing and going, well, you know, what, it, what else is out there? What other Ferraris could I consider? Maybe as a short-term move or that are more... For- anyway, long story short, uh, a lot of people don't know this. <laughs> My first... The first Ferrari road car I fell in love with before the Stradale was a 575. I didn't even know that. Potentially it was a 550. I think it probably was a 550. But long story short, there was a Nicolas Cage movie called Family Man, I think, with Tia Leone. No idea. What a babe. She was. When I was uh, 12, 13 years old, Tia Leone was (laughs) right at the top of the list. Um, Anyway, so he starts off the movie as a stereotypical I'm going to say it wanker banker um, living the high life he's single he's a player he's got an amazing apartment I, I'm guessing in New York City he's making loads of cash and he rocks I think it's a black I'm going to say I thought it was a 575 but it's probably a 550 mm-hmm. um, and it was just like the coolest thing the whole movie is about how he has to rediscover that actually that's not the way to live life and he goes back to his first love you know so I'm there going oh no I want to be the male chauvinist yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah so I fell in love with the idea there and that's the first Fry Road Cup I was like I want one of those and then I think it was Bad Boys 2 the uh, Will Smith drives a 575 and anyway so th- I was like oh this is the car that I want to get and then as I learn about cars and my love evolved and then Challenge Radali turned up on the scene and I went no that's the one that I really want but I've never liked the 550s for some reason but the 575's done it for me and there was something called the HGTC pack for the 575 which was carbon ceramic brakes most importantly mm-hmm. much stiffer front and rear suspension and roll bars and everything um you could option the bucket seats even though they were optional harnesses. Like it was the, it's aggressive to say it was the GTO or the TDF of the 575, but it was of that ilk. The equivalent. And only a hundred cars were made as HGTCs. Yeah, fair. So I've always thought that would be the route I want to go. And one popped up in Cologne, beautiful red tan interior, um, all right price-wise. I think it's up 130,000 euros, which is 115,000 pounds. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, I'm sure that's not, I'm sure I could get it lower than that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'd have to pay the VAT if I imported it to the UK. Yep. But anyway, lots of things that like two owners, 30,000, no, yeah, maybe 30,000 kilometers. Anyway, all good signs. So off we went. We did. With the desire to purchase this car got there really nice showroom and dealership wasn't it very really nice. nice shared with a, a, a specialist combined with a lotus and a maserati dealership hold on a minute hold on hold on what? what was you actually genuinely really really considering gonna buy it 100 percent. oh right oh i got finance quote through from magnitude I knew what the finance... Okay, so you want to know the truth of the situation? I just told... Well, yes, Benny, please. Benny it's from, like half story you're telling these people. Benny from Porsche this um, a moment ago. My actual plan was to negotiate a price, pay a deposit, and get you <laughs> to buy the car, yeah. import it to the UK, yeah. then I would pay the VAT to register it, uh-huh. and then I would buy the car from you and finance it from you. Because Magnus, you did say that they could finance the car as a European purchase blah blah, blah. Mm-hmm. but obviously if it's buying it from you it's still a bit more straightforward it's a slow straightforward yeah <laughs> so that was well, thanks for that yeah. <laughs> thanks for telling me that's why I took you because <laughs> I was going to sit there negotiate with the guy agree a price about why and Tony, they get me to t- buy it Tony pay the man <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so we arrived um, went upstairs my first glimpse I was like mm. you know it's nearly a 20 year old Ferrari it, it looked a little tired I'm I'm realistic being the owner of a 20-year-old Ferrari I wasn't expecting it to be perfect but I could see a few bits that I was like okay that's expensive that needs paint that's probably had paint the split rims were a bit of a disaster like mm-hmm. just mm. it wasn't for you was it well on initial inspection it wasn't not for me mm. on initial inspection it was like okay so immediately I know it does need work yeah but I'm which not, you'd half expect yeah I wasn't yeah. shying away from that so off we went to find the uh, salesman and at the time, we'd met in the car park, two other blokes. Yeah. He'd come over and said hi, and he said he'd seen the channel a little bit. He wants a Stradale too. And when he said that, I thought, oh, they're going to be here to look at the same car as well. <laughs> I was like, he wants a Stradale. He had a 355. I said, they're here to look at the 575. So in we went, went and found the salesman and said, oh, we're, 
I called, I'm here to see the 575. He goes, oh, brilliant. These guys just turned up to see the car as well. And I went, oh, no. Because mm. I hate that. Like a bidding war. It's literally like a bidding war. So I was immediately turned off. So I thought I'd wait around. So I said, oh, well, look, while I wait, I'll let them, do can you just tell me like, what, uh, you know, do you own the car? Was it here on consignment? No, no, I own the car. I went, oh, brilliant. And I said, have you got the, he goes, oh, this is the Geneva Motor Show launch press car for the handling pack. I went, oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. I said, and, you know, how long have you had it? Because I bought it off a collector in 2019. I went, okay, from my little bidding war. I'm like, right, so you've had the car four years. That's, you're desperate to sell it at this point, yeah, mate. I'm going to swiftly get uh, yeah, you. Yeah. With a really long run up up your show. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he goes, uh, and I said, when was the last service major stuff? He goes, oh, 2019, a full Ferrari service. We did belts, we did everything. I said, Oh, nothing since? You're no, no, the car has been here, hasn't moved five kilometers. Mm. Now, for me, that is red flag central. And me. So here, you know, we are literally in, the, as I say, the intersection of the Porsche Museum. Every car here is being maintained. Of course. Doesn't matter if it's a 1950s watt or a 2023, etc. They're being fettled on, they're being maintained, they're all plugged in on chargers, they're moving, they're going into the museum, they're being taken to events. That's what you need to do with not just a modern car, a classic a car. car, but especially a 20-year-old Ferrari. Mm. So the fact that he told me that for f essentially four years, the car hasn't moved, hasn't been worked on, hasn't rolled a wheel, I was like, oh no. <laughs> so then I was like, okay, well, you know, this happens, especially collector cars, especially collector Ferraris. It might not be a disaster, but it's, I know immediately things are going to have seized, things are going to have to be replaced. But again, I'm not scared by that. So I said, okay, fine. Do you have the full history folder or file? Um... And he went, ooh. I went, he goes, big problem. <laughs> there was a robbery in mm, the building. Of course there was. The toolkit was nicked. Mm -hmm. And the history folder. And I went, the history folder was nicked. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, yeah, it was in this beautiful folder. And they stole it. Yeah. And I went, well, that's weird. Like, yeah. who, who steals a load of paperwork? And not, all right, if you stole the car, but you steal a toolkit and the paperwork. So I, again, I'm like, red flag. Uh, and he goes, so I have a, I have a photocopy of some of the history, but not all of it. So I'm like, oh. He goes, anyway, I said, okay, fine, let me look at the car, I'll come back and talk to you. So immediately I think I'll jump on Car Vertical. I talk about them a lot on the main channel, lots of you would have heard. So jump on Car Vertical, do a history. The last known data or report for that car was when it was registered in Italy in 2004. So I'm like, so basically no one knows what has happened to this car since 2004 to 2019 when this man bought it and then left it sitting still for four years. Yeah. So I'm like, nah, in the bin. So we run away. Which is <laughs> quite rude. So yeah, I'm yeah. so sorry if anyone from that showroom is listening. Uh, we literally ran away. But yeah. um, we did say goodbye to that one guy, to be fair. That, we did, that, yeah. that nice guy came and talked to us. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, you know, so I was super disheartened because I thought the car in premise was amazing, but I've learned enough through classic car or modern classic car ownership and older Ferrari ownership that that was just just too many issues to ignore right yeah and it's funny the way that our both of our brains work because listening to you there listening to you tell the story the your thought process of when you went oh no I thought oh no as soon as I saw it and you you thought, thought, oh no, when I said we're going to go and look at a 575, you went, oh no. Because <laughs> you were so invested. I mean, I, I I knew you wanted to go and look at it, but sitting here now, I mean, you, you if that had been a proper car, you were genuinely going to buy it. Oh, 100%. Right. But One, if, if he had said, I mean, pre-2019, I've got a service stamp for every year, I would have made an offer right then and there. <sighs> yeah. Controversial, hey? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we need to have a little bit of a chat. I mean, <laughs> bit help. I mean, well, as I say, I'm in this kind of mood of like, right, I, it's the first time in my entire ownership experience in the 360 that I'm considering selling it. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you know, I've said a million times before, it's going to be for Chance Stradale, but there's no Chance Stradale's on the market. So then mm. I'm like, well, what, what else could I buy? Mm. And uh, the one that really is a, throws a stone in the mix, Roma's. Yeah. Ferrari Roma. Yeah. When I got the quote on the 575, a 575 HGTC and a Ferrari Roma, exactly the same to finance. Are they? 20 grand in, 1,500 quid a month. Wow. Ridiculous, right? On... And that's a, in terms of 
market value that's a hundred and twenty five grand car or a one hundred and fifty five grand car. Yeah, the Roma being the more expensive. So the Roma's obviously got the bigger, bigger residual. Bigger right? residual comes with a Ferrari maintenance pack yeah, warranty. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm all over the shop, uh, you know, and then a Stradale will pop up and I'll be like, oh, I'm done. Freaking so out. I'm a mess because I never, ever considered selling the 360. And now that I am, I'm like, the world of Ferraris has opened up to me. Yeah. So, I mean, watch the space probably next year. I'll still have, Are you looking every I'll still day? have the 360 every day. Oh, every right. night. <laughs> I'm all got over that, it. You got that bug in you. Be careful of your Madonna mic. Um, I'm so I tell, no, no, no. When you laugh like that, I tell uh, you off all the time, but you know. You, I have to do the got, old. Yeah, you got that big laugh, mate. Yeah, it's hard though, man. I mean, I forget. It comes out of nowhere, that belly laugh, Literally, doesn't it? Literally, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, so yeah, we left Cologne, went to stay at that awesome hotel in Frankfurt. Did you enjoy that experience? Yes. I, t- I, did, I, did. I took Tony on one of my road trip lifestyle hotel experiences you did um where essentially you get to park your car on the balcony outside your hotel room yeah that was a laugh wasn't it really cool yeah, we had a yeah, good time. Yeah. uh and then we yeah we drove down here to stuttgart and today's been awesome so talk everyone through what have your impressions been of our tour because let's face it porsche museum i actually didn't know what your thoughts would be because it's full of old cars yeah i mean museums in general no matter what museum i go in i can take or leave from me mm. whether they're cars whether mm-hmm. they're paintings whether they're historic I, I i have a really short attention span and i lose interest really really quickly however when i walked in here the storage so the, so the museum you're like cool but for you it was like whatever it's a museum yeah i mean you know some of the some of the history and benny was very good walking us around and telling us stuff and you've been there before as well so but most of the stuff he telling me i kind of already knew as well so it was cool to see it all and and i appreciate it but i I lost interest quite quickly (laughs) i could tell But yeah, coming in here, which is not open to the public. No. Special access and full of cars and fascinating variants and variations and modern and old and blah, 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 blah. That got you going. This is the best place I've ever been. (laughs) Like, like literally. uh, It's Porsche Mecca, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. For someone that's had porsches for 20 years and i've had a lot of these cars mate as well yeah. as i've walked around like I've, I've owned a lot of these cars and it's just nice to see them and and you know the they're all built round the corner from here and like when we pulled up this morning it th- there's something like really cool about i mean it's a little bit different for us because if it's ferrari and porsche we freak out anyway right but there's something really cool about going back to the factory where you're one of your like the love of your life essentially <laughs> oh, no no that's like strong no i would say my wife is the love of yeah my yeah, life. yeah but what, what i mean is in the car world sure. you know like yeah, you, you your you, favorite brand love of one, your life one, man, that is strong yeah wow. one of your one of your favorite car brands you're going back to the factory in the car that they built mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then you see all these amazing cars here like well, what I thought was cool is as we were waiting outside the museum and taking a few photos, which was hard to do because of the lighting, but let's not get into that. We saw a few 992 3RSs. We did. With all of their wrappings on, mm. leaving the factory gates and heading off to the lot where they're going to be loaded up onto a truck or into a container. And that is someone's car. Someone's car. And our cars would have done exactly that journey and gone through months that ago. 18 months ago yeah. that i find cool yeah that i really like i was like wow we're sitting here seeing someone's car o- off it goes it's going to be in someone and they hope they're going to cherish it and love it like we do ours and you're right that is special and actually there's well in the supercar world lamborghini i think you can rock up at the lamborghini factory take a quick photo it's hard it's relatively hard to do um, their museum is good. Actually, no, Lambo is good. Ferrari is probably the hardest because the museum is around the corner from the factory. Mm-hmm. I think Porsche and Lambo, I'm going to say, are maybe the best for mm-hmm. supercars to rock up at the kind of factory gates and drive in with your car, take a photo, feel well, like the I'm here. Factory is quite easy. But you can't, as well. you can't. No, you can't. You can't drive in. There's a huge freaking gate. There's massive oh, yeah, security, and there's course, no museum. Yeah. There's, There's no, no museum, so no, you, I mean, you can see the course. sign at a roundabout, but you yeah. can't stop there. So McLaren's the worst, I think, 
McLaren's the worst. Oh, he's in that complex, isn't it? He can't get in. Yeah, you can't go in any, anywhere of it. Yeah, so yeah. McLaren's the worst. Ferrari is really good in terms of the museum, but you can't stop in front of the factory gates. Yeah. Um, either of them, old or new, you get moved on really quickly. But the museum's nice. Um, Lambert says so you can literally drive into the historic gates. And here at Porsche, where we stopped at the museum, okay, not everyone can do what we just did. No. But you can stand under the wing of the museum and look out at the factory. Literally, That's yeah. very cool. So yeah. um, it's a good experience. But yeah, in here is because it's the best of the best in here mm -hmm. they've got all the special editions from everything where there's a china edition turbo i never didn't even know about that no idea through to one-off projects that designers or factories or the museum have created to celebrate certain moments in yep. time and things that you didn't know existed and manual variants or it's just like you think oh cool like a load of Porsches, but it's yeah. not. It's no the no. ultimate variant. Cars in here, we're not allowed to talk about. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. That's when he the best part. Walks you around and tells you the stories and stuff. You think flipping hell. When Benny starts whispering, I'm like, "Oh, it's going to be a good one." Because <laughs> yeah. we're the only people here. Like it's <laughs> literally a yeah. huge it's warehouse. The only three other people here are <laughs> Porsche Museum mechanics. Yeah. And when he goes, "So this car," I'm like, "Why is he whispering?" <laughs> but when he, I'm like, "Now I want to listen." Yeah. That's like me. Well, maybe, you don't want to listen for the rest of the time. Well, no, no. Like, but I feel like when he's just shouting, <laughs> I know the story as well as he does. Yeah, yeah. He's like, "This is." I'm like, oh, "Yeah, cool." Like, we all know what we're looking at. Apart from a few things that I got wrong or didn't realise were as special as they were. But when he does the like, come in close, I'm like, legit. What do you keep looking at, by the way? You keep looking over my shoulder. No, 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 no. I'm just you looking at I'm, a car. I'm just what looking, are you admiring? I'm just looking around, mate. Like, I still like, I've been in here for an hour and a half. Yeah. And I still like look round and think like, how am I in here? Yeah. Well, thank you to you lovely listeners of the podcast. That's, that's how and why we're here. Yeah, so, fair. um... I am also stressing because... <laughs> Why are you stressing? Cinematag cin cinematically, Instagrammably, TikTokery, I have not captured anywhere near as much. Like, this is literally... I could make a year's worth of content in this room. Yeah. And I haven't even started. We did a walk around, a rough... Which is why I hate doing those, but we did it. Just a, you know, one take walk and talk. But there's so much to take in, yeah. mate. Like yeah. It's a 58-minute video. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know where to start, but after this, once we finish recording, I need to go down and just fill my boots with content. <laughs> which I don't fill Because we, we need to leave in 55 minutes. So oh. We're up against it a bit. Cause, Got yeah. another motorway driving that poxy car. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so if you weren't taking our cars... So our drive from here to Zelamtse, our overnight next overnight stop, is about four and a half hours. Mm -hmm. But three of those hours will be on the motorway, and then we've got an hour and a half on some nice twisty Austrian roads. Lovely. What are you taking? We had this conversation a little bit last night, and it's really difficult, mate, to find if you're going um, sports car. Yeah. By the well, way, well, stick with Porsche. I mean, in this room or this warehouse now, right now. So, so. Instead of taking up, we said to Benny, we're leaving our cars here and we're taking two separate cars to Austria and we'll drop them back on the way back and pick up our cars. Oh, right. Um, GT2 or 918. Interesting. Uh, 
which G- the last GT2, the 991 GT2? Yeah, of course, That yeah. green one we saw. Yeah, like yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what it... It looks maybe olive or Brewster green. It's a very dark, saturated green GT2 RS. Just in the corner over there. Yeah. Probably a bit too dark. Because it'd be just as good on the mountains yeah. and on the main motorways, I can shut it up. 918 is such a great shot because we've been so lucky with the weather on this trip. It's been sunny every yeah. day. I think 918 has got to be up there for me, but there is so, like, I'm such a nerd. Like, I, that 997 <laughs> Sport Classic over our shoulder, I love. It's a 993 Turbo S that I can see, which I adore. There's a few, like, there's an Irish green 991 Carrera, which was one of my inspiration cars, the 1 millionth 911 that I love. Um, 997 Generation 3 RSs. I mean, there's, uh, there's too many cars, but for the journey we're about to do, it's so hard because if you take the motorway bit out, mm-hmm. we're in the best car. But we have to consider the motorway. Of course, because we've got to do it. Mm. But but it, if you'd said to me, you're going up and out road, what you want to take, it probably would be my car. Yeah, because no, it's, you're not wrong. it's mega on an out road. We've fallen in love with our cars again, despite the fact... I never fell out of love with them. Well, what? We've, we've been complaining about our cars a bit. I mean, mine keeps falling apart. Yours oh, is now... Broken. Yeah. So, just to touch on that. Uh, we're, you know, there's the weeping shock thing. I get it. People were like, it's not a big deal. Like, get over yourselves, guys. Also, if it was McLaren, you'd be ruining them. Fair play. Um, but I think it is a big deal. But I know, I know what you're saying about... I know what you said, that the Porsche wouldn't send me out if it wasn't broken. I get that. I completely understand. And they're right. They wouldn't. Big manufacturer. The car is obviously safe. But me as an owner mm-hmm. that owns a very expensive car... To anyone, yeah. there's something wrong with that part. That part is faulty because it's weeping. So, so I want it replaced. That's that's all I'm saying. Okay. Like, so when I get back, if it's still weeping, weeping. I'll insist I want it replaced. It's got to go. Because yeah. it's broken, Okay, fair. as far as I'm concerned. So since then, I was at a car wash. They were When? This, uh, hold on, calm down. Since that moment, the, yeah. since that whole debacle, Yeah. I was at a car wash and wiping, we're, we're wiping the inside of my, how do I, does, dr- the side window, driver's side, side window. And as we're wiping it, holding the glass and the glass of the side window cracks under pressure. Yeah. Like, it literally has a little crack and I'm like, oh, obviously I'm like, you know, these things happen. The car wash like, cool, we'll, we'll accept liability, we'll replace it, like, let's all figure it out. But there's a consensus amongst all of us that that should not have happened. Of course <laughs> like, not. I know it's lightweight glass, but what, I'm leaning? Like, I put my hand on it and I'm white. Anyway, so call up Porsche Guildford. And I say, look, this is a bit weird. Like, is that a warranty part? Like, where does this come under? Oh, yeah, you're the fourth or fifth person that's happened to. Can you just check your main window, your driver door window, to see if there's a little chip at the top? Because that's what's been happening. And they've kind of got misaligned or and the top of the window usually cracks the side window. And I was like, no, no, no. My driver's door's window's fine. It's just this weird crack. They went, no problem. Warranty part. We've just, we found out. We've replaced four or five of them. Once they're replaced, there's not an issue. And I'm like, well, that's a bit crap, but I guess fine. Warranty. That's what it is. And I said to you at the start of this trip, oh, look, this has happened. So I said, just be a bit careful because they told me that these door, driver's door windows get cracks, get chips. So just be a bit aware of it. You're like, yeah, no, no, all right, all right. Well, I knew it was a problem, but I didn't know about the side window bit. Yeah. But I knew that the driver's window or the passenger, both windows, I knew that if you stop the car and, and was a bit urgent with the door, that they can shatter yeah. or they crack. Yeah, they don't drop down enough. Quickly enough. Yeah. You've got to wait a minute. So we're out filming on day two and we pull over at some point and you suddenly go, oh no! I've piled out the car, and I—I I mean, I've literally thrown it into park, and I've piled out, knowing that I could. I mean, I'm stupid. I'm a stupid man. No, uh, but I'm sorry, mate. It's a brand new 2023 car. I agree. There is no part of us that should have to wait two beats to make sure the window has dropped sufficiently to open our car door. I completely agree. But I knew that it was a problem. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, stupid man. Fair. Okay. Not because because I, I completely it's not, that's not on, and um, they will sort it out. Obviously. Yeah, it's a warranty part. Apparently. It's, a, it's a it's a warranty thing. But again, it's we've said it before. There are like little niggles with this generation of GT3, unlike any other. That yep. I mean, I've had half a dozen of them. 
So please record. I was just trouble checking that camera's <laughs> recording. I had a little <laughs> panic there. Well, I'm having a panic because you're looking. It's very dark. Is it? No. Please. Really? It's recording. Don't worry, lads. Sorry oh, about the interruption. Thank God. That made me panic for a second. Yeah, Sorry about pre- that. Yeah, previous generation yeah. GT cars, I've had a few of them and, and they've never caused me one minute's problem. Yeah. Well, for the team here who are looking after all these cars, I think when they're going to get 992s in, they're going to have to be addressing all of this stuff. It's yep. going to be a headache for them, isn't it? Well, they've got 992s already. Well, they're probably working hard at no. them. <laughs> anyway, so, you know, we, we do continue to love our cars and we have spoke, spoke about that they are brilliant despite the motorway mileage and these issues. And then maybe, maybe we should sympathise more with McLaren owners, Aston Martin owners that you've berated over the years who've gone, I don't have problems with my car or I don't mind the problems with my car, I still love it. And we've gone, well, you're an idiot. We're now the idiots that have drunk the Kool-Aid and we're here inside the inner sanctums going, yeah, you know, I can't open my car door without my window cracking, but who cares? It's a great car. Yeah, but on the flip side, I completely agree with what you're saying, but on the flip side, when you compare the amount of cars that Porsches make, it's not an excuse, when you compare the percentage, the amount of cars that Porsche make as a brand and then flip that on its head and, and... compare that with McLaren, Mm -hmm. the percentage of McLarens that go wrong are far greater than Porsche. And they make millions of them, Mm. Porsche compared to McLaren. So it, you know, we can only react on what we hear and what we see. And we always have done that to be fair, you know, and we're doing it now with Porsche. We've seen something, we're reacting. Maybe we are defending it a little bit and we're being a little bit biased. One, because we love the cars. Because we, <laughs> we love the cars. Yeah. It's easier to bash stuff when you love them less. Yeah. But we like to think we, we're we fairly honest in what we say all, yeah. all the while. Yeah, no, no, of course. No, you know, it's no secret that we love these cars and these products yeah. and this manufacturer. So we're going to give them every excuse. Um, but But... Yeah, it's it's the, not on though. Well, the journey continues. I yeah. think is what we'll say. Like, they're like it's it's not a seamless experience. But luckily, nothing mechanical is falling off my car yet. <laughs> um, we do have a track day still ahead of us, and a mountain blast, and a journey back to the UK. So uh, let's wait and see. Um, is there anything else, Porsche? Well, let's come back to the Porsche chat. Let's move on for a second. Give everyone a break because fairly significant news is come out in the UK Mm -hmm. since our last recording, and I think we've got to address it. The fact that the UK government have delayed the ban of sale of new combustion engine vehicles Mm. in the UK. So it was, originally it was going to be 2035 like the rest of the EU, then they brought it forward to 2030, and they've now pushed it back again to 2035. Mm -hmm. Now, funnily enough, I was on the Ferrari Roma Spider launch. Still not sure if I'm allowed to say that legally. (laughs) I'll reread the embargo. Did you sign a bit Probably. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I'm not, uh, but that's what I was. And there was a lot of big time news journalists there from mainstream news. Mainstream news journalists. Right. And they were salivating at this were story, Fre- freaking out. And so I found out about it before it all happened because they had the inside track. And so then Rishi Sunak made the announcement later in the day. And, you know, as I text you saying they're about to roll yeah, it back. Yeah, yeah. Now, I mean... But it comes as no surprise to us. It comes as no surprise. Like, obviously, we've been saying for a long time, there is no way that the industry is going to be ready for this switch by 2030. Yeah. The ridiculous thing is, governments around the world, not just ours, are putting this pressure on manufacturers like Porsche or whoever it might be. By the way, can I just clarify, because I just said Porsche there, and this is not a sponsored episode. Just to... It should be. I mean, it really should be. <laughs> oh, we were speaking to Benny a moment ago about paying of influence and stuff like that. Okay, yeah, we are in Porsche and we're talking about Porsche. Really need to clarify that. Like, Porsche, Porsche suck. You know? <laughs> See, like, I'm not being paid. Porsche are crap, buy a Ferrari. It's not a paid episode. Um, but yeah, you know, manufacturers are working hard to make this transition and do it in time and going all electric and blah, blah, blah. And we've spoken so many times about the issues are surrounding mm-hmm. a switch to evs yeah my problem with this and i want to come to you in two seconds but fine delay who cares whatever it's the narrative that now ensues because that mass public or the people in the media's eye who want to get involved come at it from a different angle so it's not like they've delayed it because essentially 
the industry's not going to be ready. No. The infrastructure, actually the emissions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The uh, viability of synthetic fuels in some uses, you know, like all of this stuff. But actually all that happens is go, well, they're killing us. The government are killing us another five years. We'll all be dead. The world is over. And the money, think of them. Like the narrative that comes from the that other side, mm. no one seems to be bringing in experts to say, hold on a second, everyone. Can we just explain why this has happened now? There, you could get political and say, Sunak's only done it to appease anti-climate change people and get some votes for the Tories. And I'm really sorry, by the way, for non-UK or British listeners who are going, what are you all on about? This is very... There's an election coming, basically. Yeah, <laughs> so, you know, you could argue that he's done it just to kind of win some votes. Yeah. And I'm sure that's part of it. But, you know, th this is our world and there is a conversation around this. And so, I know you're not surprised, but where's your head at? Like, what, what's your thinking around this? I, I, I always thought initially that the 24 35 target was unrealistic as well by the way I, I, I genuinely still think that that's going to get moved mm. honestly I, I, I just don't think we're like when you look at the car in general as in the, the combustion car we've spoke about this so many times before how long did it take them to get it right they want to they want to squeeze all that into a 10 or 15 year period for electric mm. it's not a thing mate it's not it's not going to happen and and you know it's like reinventing the wheel essentially you know this is one of the biggest changes to our or to the automotive industry like ever you know it's a huge huge upset of what we've got to do to to, to get this right you know and i don't think it's only 10 years away it's, it's not going to happen so what is this going to do to the already fragile new and used EV market? Because in the last 12 months, we've seen some nervousness creep into the EV market. Yeah. People having experiences, not enjoying it, want to get rid of the car. Uh, business lease owners coming to the end and going, I don't want another EV. Mm. The stories at Christmas of cr crazily over, um, too busy charging stations, all that kind of stuff. So now... If you were an early adopter or wanted to be an early adopter and they're saying, well, actually, we're going to delay this. Are you going, oh, crap, well, get me back in a combustion car. I'll, I'll come back in five or six years. Mm. Well, we always said, didn't we? I mean, I, I've said it millions of times that go in an electric car when you've got to. Until then, don't go in it. So do you think this is going to take confidence away from the electric car market? The, 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 the electric car market, excuse my, is already on its bum it's already on its ass mm -hmm. and actually genuinely it needs support it especially the used market it, it it needs some government support if they want it to to reignite itself because this announcement it's not going to do it any good it's going to make it worse so then the government you know there needs to be some other whether it's financial, whether they do something with the values. I, I, I don't know, mate, but they need to do something. If Because inherently, they're still going down the process, aren't they? Of 2035 now, we've all got to be in it. Regardless of what we think, that's that's the statement. But don't forget, it's new sales. This is not a Correct. ban on the use or ownership of a combustion engine vehicle. Yeah. It's that in the UK, you shouldn't be able to buy a new combustion engine car. So actually, that means the bleed out is going to take another 10 years after that because you can oh, still go mate. buy a one-year-old combustion engine car. So, it, you know, it, it's not as final or as impactful as maybe it might sound. Mm. Um, and also, you know, because of the EU, like manufacturers are already well on the way with this transition my concern is as i say that buyer insensitive that confidence that desire to go and buy an ev product when a lot of people have been sort of going well well it's around the corner it's you know it's only five or six years away so i might as well jump on jump on board now and had a negative experience of maybe jumping too soon and now the government's saying well, we're actually going to delay it because we're not quite there yet you're just going to go well screw it get me back in a combustion engine car and so all these manufacturers are doing a great job of building lots of new evs great evs developing it actually might struggle well yeah but the but the, the 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 punters the general public not us the general public because in in general the us 
and the automotive world, they have a much better insight, whether you're an expert or not, you still have a much better insight. If you like cars, your insight is still much better than someone else. I use my sister an example. She just wants, she's got no interest. She just wants a car. So she's listening to the news and going, well, right then. Well, I'm definitely not going to get an electric car now. She's considering it. Mm-hmm. We know as as petrol heads and, and what we do for a living, we know that it's probably not the right thing to do yet. But the general public who are trying to be convinced to get into these cars, which is the mass, essentially, because we make up a tiny percentage, 13%, I think it is. Um, the the general public who now got got to be convinced and now definitely unconvinced mm. which is which is a disaster because yeah, yeah. now we start back from zero yeah, again it's messy it's, it's it's a disaster which is why i said the whole it needs it almost like needs a, like a reset yeah. like a complete restructure and you can't really go in on all the manufacturers they've they've really taken to the challenge because as much as we do go in on electric cars and i and i know you're starting to understand them a little bit better for me still no mm-hmm. you know I, I don't care whether the products are good they're still the whole package is still nowhere near as good as a combustion car and i'm i'm not sure it's ever going to be mm-hmm. and and if you're going to re- re- replace a product with another one it has to be at least as good or better mm. but that's never going to happen an electric product car will never ever replace in terms of usability as a combustion car because of where you have to charge it there's we've been through this yeah, so yeah, many yeah, there's no point in repeating there's the no b- point banging in, the drum yeah but. yeah but but you know from the general public point of view they don't know all this mate no yeah you're right yeah, so they're they're, they're being inside. they're being not brainwashed because some of these people are really intelligent and and you know they think they're saving the planet they think they're doing the right thing because they're being told to do this and then they jump in and they've lost half the value after the first year of the car and they go because i see it all the while people have gone in tried electric cars they've been like okay you know they've half lived with them and then but it's not quite right and then they jump back into a combustion car but the biggest kick in the teeth for them is the the loss the money loss yeah of course and you can't get out of them yeah yeah yeah. so it's a problem well let's see as i say i think i think that was my my takeaway was like okay fine it is what it is you know but i do think it's going to have a bit of a kick on the confidence in the electric market and the you know those values that are already tough i don't think people are going to be looking at that going oh but maybe i'm wrong maybe the government have got it wrong maybe it is a desperate ply to get try and get voters back on side and actually the the world has moved on and people have a certain mindset. We'll, we'll find out in the, in the, in the time ahead. But um, yeah, theoretically a big news story. However, as Tony mentioned, there is an election coming in the UK. If a government changes, they could easily then bring the ban forward again. So we, we don't know what's going on. But that's not their biggest problem. No, no, no. I, let's not get into politics. No, no, no. But no, I don't mean the government. I'm, I'm not talking about that. The electric car market is already on the floor. I, it one, already needs support. 100% and we did that episode I just don't want to repeat ourselves no, I'm, I'm, I'm just I, aware that last couple of episodes we've been talked a lot, we've spoken a lot about used electric market and electric cars in general and it's obviously one of our favourite topics but we're here in the home of Porsche Museum surrounded by actually some interesting electric cars but a lot of combustion engine cars and I just I just feel like we're about to go into a huge rant about EVs again and we literally finished off last episode doing a rant about EVs um, so I'm, I'm just going to put a pin in it we will come back to it because I've got a big EV main channel video going live in October so okay, that'll be your opportunity to go in um, so just because I'm staring at my watch thinking oh my god I've still got so much Instagram and TikTok content to make FML um a quick word on what's ahead. So, the track day. Mm. Red Bull Ring. Big you've ne- crush. You've ne- <laughs> Huge, Huge crush. crush. You've never driven around it before? No, I'll be all right. You're excited? You've oh, been yeah. studying. You've told me many times that you've been watching a lot of YouTube videos on the lines and which gear for which corner and where to brake and what angle. Not Well, I mean, I'll know the lines, mate. That's not that's not a problem. But, um, yeah, I've had a, I, didn't, I don't know where it goes. You've done I, some research. I've done a bit of research, It's a bit yeah. keen for a casual S- track day. No, it's just I, I I like to make sure that you're getting the maximum. I know where I'm going. Yeah, 
You're so achieving lap records. The, la- the, la- the last thing I want to do is pile into a corner that I think's right and you go left. So the yeah, well, <laughs> that would be a disaster. I mean, I want to know where I'm going. Yeah, so but you've already told me which gear I should be in for each corner. No, you no, no driven I said what gear yet. I think I should be in. <laughs> Fine. So the only thing which I haven't told you about is that obviously you'll do your first laps for the first time, kind of blind, based on YouTube videos. Before the green light goes, I'm jumping in in a McLaren Artura to do some filming with Pirelli. So I'll get about ten laps in before you do Perfect. in the morning anyway. So, Still be faster than yeah, you. I've got no excuses, right? <laughs> but anyway, that's all to come. So yeah, we've got a few more main channel videos to come. This one, as I say. Or at least the trip down here we'll go live on Sunday uh, then we'll have the actual track day experience where God knows what that's going to be like full disclosure Tony will be faster than me because I just have no desire to crash my car um, so I'll just be pretty <laughs> I have no desire to crash mine either but you will crash yours no. uh, <laughs> and then also hoping to create some content up the Gross Glockner one of my favourite uh, European roads we're going to try and go up there in the cars at some point as well so uh, make sure you keep an eye out on the main channel for plenty more content to come we should hopefully do the next episode from the Red Bull Ring as well, talking about our experience and sort of what it's been like out on track and maybe even in one of the other press cars they're going to have available. Uh, I'll st- I'm going to stay tight-lipped on that because if it's not that, it's such an exciting idea that <laughs> if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But yeah, I'm going to wrap things up a little bit, a tiny bit earlier uh, than usual today because as I say, I just want to capture so much more of this incredible room. But We're hope- so sorry, but we're in heaven. We're in, <laughs> we're in heaven. So we're going. We're, we're trapped in this room talking to you and we want to leave. Um, so anyway, hopefully it's been a, a fun slightly behind the scenes off the cuff episode for you all um head over to instagram if you want to see a bit more about what's going on in here and subscribe now etc etc so you don't miss those future episodes that i just teased about if you want to follow tony he's at tony grumwald car sales on most social media platforms i'm at seen through glass this podcast is at behind the glass underscore underscore podcast and a very quick shout out if you're still here because a lot of you turn off at this point there are still a handful of tickets left for our shows in perth and I think Gold Coast, I think there's like five tickets left for the podcast in Gold Coast in Australia and maybe a handful more left in Perth. So get buying now, otherwise you'll miss out. Anyway, let's wrap things up there. See you next week. Bye-bye. See ya. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.